You are now listening to the Sons of Swanee Sportscast. Somebody say oh my and give them dog six. Welcome in. It is game week, baby, on the Sons of Swanee Sports Cast. Hunter Abercrombie along the way with Mr. TJ Vickers. What up, Vic? Doing good, sir. Langford Stadium's going to be rocking this Friday. That's right. And speaking of Langford Stadium, uh, today, just like we did last year, we'll have our long form interview um, with Coach Kyler Hall. He is joining us today. Uh, kind enough to sit down, take out some time from his very busy week this week to talk to us about the schedule, about his players, his coaches, kind of run the whole game. So, Coach Hall, we appreciate you being with us. Yeah, man, good to be back with you guys. Excited for another football season to kick off and uh, looking forward to the conversation today. Absolutely. So, before we get started, we'll cover our bases. Vic, tell the folks where they can find us. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Sons of Swanee. Download us anywhere you get your podcast information. Subscribe, rate, review. As Hunter always lets you know, five-star reviews only. Five-star only. We will only <laughs> listen to those. We will avoid everything else. Everything else gets deleted. We will report them as spam. Accounts. It is yeah. spam. This week's sponsor on the Sons of Swanee Sportscast, the fine folks at Dirty Gringo's CrossFit. Come out and see us out there. You just take a ride at the Northern First Federal. I don't know what the address is. But if you want to come and puke and, you know, hate your instructors for a few minutes, this is the place for you because Jose and Maggie treat you like crap for about 45 minutes, make you hate life. But then you feel real good the rest of the day. So And then you have to pay them, too. Yes, you pay to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Paid torture. Mm-hmm. It sucks. But anyway, <laughs> a lot of fun out there. Come see us at Dirty Gringos. Love to have you. So, Coach, one thing I wanted to start with before we get into everything else was last week we interviewed the new AD, Coach Frank Allen. And um, one of the things he'd mentioned that I meant to kind of go more in-depth with him about, but I'll ask you, he had said something about the wet bulb. And yeah. So, Tell the folks, kind of a couple people asked me this week, like, hey, what is that? So tell, tell the folks, if you would, kind of the, the new processes and things you guys have to do for practice so they kind of understand. Yeah, so with the wet bulb, it takes into consideration uh, the humidity, the temperature, um, the wind, a few other elements, and it gives you this reading, which is uh, the wet bulb uh, number. There is a chart that gives us uh, – a range of numbers that determines what you can do out of practice. If that number is above 92, I believe it is, you're supposed to come off the field uh, just because it is too hot. Uh, and it has been really hot. We've had we've had one day where we've had to go, come inside the gym. We've had other days where uh, when it falls into the range where you have to take shoulder pads off so you're out there in just helmets. Um, so First and foremost is for the safety of the kids. Uh, if you look around the country, I believe I saw a stat the other day, there's been five deaths, uh, unfortunately, already um, this fall camp because of heat exhaustion. Um, it's, it's just one of those things in Florida. It's, it's, it's hot. I mean, it's been really hot recently. So just looking out for the safety of the kids, making sure they get extra water breaks, um, teaching them about hydration first off. If they wait till they get out there to start drinking, uh, it's, it's too late. They've got to start uh, hydrating their body um, much before the game gets here. The practices, it has to be something that they're daily doing consistently. Uh, but that the wet bulb number is something that we have to do on a daily basis. We record the number 
And again, depending on what that number is, we have to make adjustments to the practice. So really with this wet bulb, and I mean, you know, totally get it about the safety. So basically what, what you're telling us, so you go out, you get a reading, and if it's a certain number, then that kind of determines what you can do that day. Is that about the gist of it? Yeah, correct. And that'll pretty much run through at least September with the temperatures. Um, but, you know, with the, the way the weather's been lately, it's going to be blazing hot one day, then the next day it's going to rain and be cooler. So it's just hit or miss. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where it, it adds, you know, another you know thing to do as far as your practice schedule. Uh, you document everything. You know, we had a meeting before the season started. Um, with, with with Coach Gray, uh, with Principal Mana, and, and just the importance of documenting everything. Um, just again, to protect yourself, protect the kids, and make sure that, you know, in, in the, the terrible case that something does happen, um, that you are doing what you're supposed to do. And you never want to see anything bad happen to a kid, first and foremost, uh, but just putting them in the best situation to stay healthy and also be able to get your practice in. Yeah, Coach, you touched on a little bit with how unpredictable the weather is one day really hot, next day it's kind of raining. Does that kind of throw off what you hope to kind of get done? Do you have to come in with like a plan A, B, and C now when you kind of used to know this is what we want to get done today? How, how has that changed maybe approaching a practice every day? Yeah, so the first week of practice, it rained pretty much the whole week. But the good part about it, it didn't lightning. Um, so we're out there and we got great work in the rain. Uh, quarterbacks were able to learn to handle the ball in the rain, the exchanges, receivers catching in the rain. Um, defensive backs, you know, keep keeping their, their footwork up underneath them. So there are benefits to practicing in the rain. Uh, and as long as it's you know, not lightning, we can get out there and do it. Um, but it's just one of those things, you know, volleyball is going on in the gym, so you really can't go inside the gym. Uh, so if you are forced back inside, you to wait it out, watch some film, do some board work. Uh, there's always ways to get better, but uh, it's just, you know, one more thing that you have to plan for. Um, but you have to get your work in one way or the other, whether that's pushing the practice you know, later to the evening or, you know, again, just waiting it out until you can go out on the field. Well, I guess the last question I have with the wet bulb, and I totally understand player safety and everything, give me your best um, impression of what Mike Pittman would have said about the wet bulb back in his day. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, let me keep this G-rated. Uh, <laughs> baby, it's too hot outside. Let's take it to the house. <laughs> I was thinking more like, hey, baby, let me tell you something. I can walk outside and tell you what the temperature is. I don't need a bulb to tell me when to practice and when not to. There's no doubt. And it, I find it kind of hard to believe that Coach Pittman would have came off the field because it was too hot. Yeah. And <laughs> you know? I think but that's what folks, you know, you see sometimes on social media. Well, these kids, they don't work. Back in our day, we did three a days, blah, blah. No. Well, guess what? The law won't allow you to do that anymore. No. It's a different you time. It, it's it, a different world it is. than I mean, it used to be. We had one two-a-day. It was the day before school uh, because usually we have two weeks of practice before school starts. But this year, just the way the calendar failed, they pushed everything back a week. Uh, we just had one two a day, but again, I mean, it's it's nothing like it was when we were growing up, and even before that, when you could practice as often as you wanted to. Right. We had a four day one time when I was in high school. So, uh, yeah, it's, times are changing. I mean, you can be frustrated about it, but you have to evolve, adapt, and uh, you know, go well, by the rules of what you're supposed to do. Right. And you have the um, the cold tubs now that you have to have out and ready. Right. And I know you had mentioned that uh, Mr. Gray, yep. fellow CrossFitter, oh, Mr. Yeah. Gray. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. He's over the safety and security now, and so he's, you know, following up with us at the middle school, with you at the high school. And so it's, it's a good thing. And, um, 
you know, it's for, like I said, safety of the kids, and that's what's important. So the only other question I had before we get into the meat, meat and potatoes that folks may not know is new this year is the six-quarter rule also. So do you want to kind of explain what that is to the folks and how that might affect us? Yeah, so the six-quarter rule um, pretty much allows, and it really benefits you know, the smaller size rosters. Um, so if you have a, you know, let's take, for example, the sophomore class, a lot of those sophomores still aren't ready to play at the varsity level. Um, so instead of having them stand on the sidelines on the varsity, they can play four quarters on JV, and then you can also dress them on Friday night with the varsity, and they can play up to two quarters of that game. Or vice versa, you could play you know, a kid that's you know, getting some significant playing time with the varsity, but you still you know, need some help on the JV, so he could play two quarters uh, there at the JV, and they come back and be able to play the whole game on the varsity. So um, we do have a lot of kids of that sophomore class that kind of fall into that category. Most of our freshmen will just be JV only this year. Um, but it is something that it can be very beneficial. It helps create some depth. Uh, you can add some special guys on some special teams uh, to get some reps in there. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, they had voted on it a couple of years ago, and, and they didn't pass it. Um, but fortunately now it's in. I believe it's going to be a great thing for – uh, for the students, for the coaches. So I'm excited about it, and um, I know the kids, uh, that will be able to help them further their development and uh, get some playing time. Coach, kind of transitioning into the roster and everything, You, one of the things that jumps out right away at me is the coaches, actually. That was, that was one of the very first things that I looked at. Uh, retained basically everybody, but but lost, actually, I, maybe I should say retained everybody, right. but, but everyone that is on this coaching staff has been here at least a couple of years. But – there have been a few guys that have been just not not with us this year. Uh, what what more pressure does that put actually on the remaining coaches, and how much more, I guess, do you have to worry about with having less coaches? Well, um, you know, Coach Pittman, he would always say um, he'd look out on the field and see, you know, 10, 11 coaches. He was like, man, you got too big of a staff. You know, back in the day we did it with three coaches. So um, it's definitely been done before. With the smaller staff, you know, obviously everybody has to pull their weight. Uh, there's a little bit of crossover work with guys going on both sides of the ball. But what I like about it, everybody's always working. There's no downtime. There's a, there's constant coaching. Uh, it gets coaches out of their comfort zone. It keeps them moving. Uh, but it's, it's worked really well. I thought spring was one of the better springs that we've had uh, since I've been here. Um, and now we get into the, the, the meat of the season. Um, Again, it just I think it, it sharpens your focus, uh, and it also helps on the other side of the ball. So, for example, Coach Marcy, our defense coordinator, uh, he spent 10 years on the offensive line. So when we're on uh, offense, he kind of gives a fresh set of eyes at the offensive line. He can see some corrections that need to be made, something we make it do better. So it's worked out well at this point. Again, it adds a little bit more work on everybody. But, again, it uh, doesn't matter if you got 10 coaches, three coaches, you got to get the job done. All right, Coach, so we're going to jump right into it, and we're just going to kind of take it segment by segment. So Friday night, Bulldogs run out on the field for the first time, and I know you may not want to say, hey, this is the guy or this isn't the guy, and maybe it's still playing out. But um, we know we're having the quarterback competition with Bronson Tillerson and Cody Lang. So who's going to take the uh, first snaps tomorrow night for the dogs? <laughs> you know what? That's going to be a game time decision. <laughs> I knew it. Voodoo or Saracen? We're going Saracen. We're going Saracen. I just finished watching Friday Night Lights. Um, 
No, we're going to split the first half with those guys uh, a quarter each, and then we'll kind of evaluate at halftime and, you know, go from there. But both of those guys have had uh, a really good camp. They do things different. Uh, you know, Cody does some things a little bit better than Bronson. Bronson does some things a little bit better than Cody. But they both complement each other very well. Good thing about it, we don't have to really change the playbook whichever guy's in there. You know, for example, last year uh, with Jacquez, as, as dominant as he was, if Quez wasn't in the game, our game plan completely changes. Mm -hmm. So this year we have two guys back there. And, again, they've, they've, they've done a tremendous job picking up the playbook. I believe the players have confidence in either one of these guys. And regardless who ends up being the starter, we're going to need both these guys. I mean, it's a long season. We play a com uh, competitive schedule. So I'm looking forward to watching these guys in some live action uh, tomorrow night. Um, but, again, this is kind of another evaluation tool uh, as we go into week one next week to see who's going to be the starter. Yeah, one of the things that I brought up last week on, on our podcast when we kind of did a little bit of a preview of everything is that with one quarterback being out on the field, obviously the other quarterback that's not on the field, they get a chance to get coached up a little bit more. Yeah. And, and not to say anything about any of the other coaches, but I, I know Coach Beach is very involved and very hands-on, especially with that quarterback position, just watching him last year with Jaquez Moore and just how he coached him up on the sideline. So that was one of the things that I mentioned to Hunter. I said that could be very beneficial because while one guy's out there getting real game-time reps and understanding the, the offense and running it, the other guy gets a chance to kind of step away and Beach and the rest of the coaching staff get a chance to talk to him and say, hey, what do you see? What are you feeling? What, what, what do you think is working? Do you see how beneficial that may be for, for especially like a younger quarterback? Yeah, for sure. And both these guys are, are relatively inexperienced, um, you know, especially on the varsity level. Um, Cody played in the spring. Bronson, you know, he wasn't able to play in the spring game. Um, but Coach Beach has done a tremendous job with their development, with teaching them the game, understanding the reads, understanding where the ball is supposed to go, understanding the checkdowns, understanding how you know if they give us a certain look, we can we can check off to a different play. Uh, and, and with those guys being young, his, his teaching uh, really has brought them along at a faster pace. I believe Coach Beach is one of the best around when it comes to quarterback development, uh, his offensive mind. So he's done a great job for us. You saw it last year with Jacquez. Uh, so he's going to get those guys where they need to be. But when the one is on the sideline, those mental reps are as valuable as, as getting the actual reps in the game. And one thing I've been impressed about Cody and Bronson, with the, other, with the one whoever's on the sideline, they're always engaged. They don't you know, go over there and play around. They're watching another guy. They're encouraging each other when they come off the field. So, again, I've, I've just really been proud of those guys for the way they've handled the competition. Uh, that's hard to do, especially for high school kids. Um, but they've done a great job of it, and I, I believe both those guys will compete well tomorrow night. And so I guess, you know, last question on the quarterbacks would be, is it just going to kind of be a situation here early where you just kind of ride the hot hand or wait to see if somebody kind of takes the job, you know, and then kind of make a decision from there, and until then we do see a rotation between the two? Yeah, and, uh, you know, that the Friday night lights, that, that tends to separate guys a little bit. Uh, because it, it's just different. You know, you can do things in practice and against a, a scout look, but when you get on the game field on Friday night, there's just there's more to it. Uh, the the competition's better. Um, you know, there, there's more on the line. The fans are watching. I mean, you got your girlfriend in the stands watching. I mean, all these things that the game day atmosphere brings. Uh, so I believe that we will see a little bit of separation uh, either way tomorrow night. 
But if it's nothing drastic, we'll continue to work those guys. Uh, again, having two quarterbacks is not a bad thing. Uh, but we are going to need both of them throughout this stretch of the season because we play such a tough schedule and physical teams. So they both got to stay ready. Uh, you know, the one play away from being the starter, you know, regardless. So, uh, again, tomorrow night will show us a lot. And then moving to the next week, we'll have a little bit better idea. Coach, moving over to the skill players on the offensive side of the ball, you have a lot of talent returning. You, just a couple of names that jump out at me, Jay Smith, Malachi Graham, Terrell Atkinson, Camden Fryer, just a couple of those guys. What have you seen from their development? Because these are all relatively young guys. Like you, saw, you talked about the inexperience with the quarterbacks. A lot of that was kind of the case with some of your skill players last year. Another year of development, another offseason to get in the weight room and continue to progress their bodies as, as well as get the mental reps like you talked about. What have you seen from that group? Yeah, so going into last season, uh, we talked about how this was the most skilled athletic group that we've had. Well, going into this season, it's even more uh, because the experience is back. Uh, a lot of those guys uh, played a lot of ball last year, played in the playoffs, made some significant plays in big games. Uh, so really, you know, even from the spring, I've seen a lot of growth uh, with a lot of these guys. You mentioned Malachi Graham. Uh, and if you if you look at his stature, he's not the biggest running back, but he'll run through you, he'll run around you, uh, he'll shake you. I mean, he he is a tremendous running back uh, that we have uh, high expectations for this year. And then with the receivers, uh, we're very deep in the receiver position. Uh, Cam DeFryer, I thought from his freshman year to spring, just the confidence you saw from him physically, he was bigger, uh, stronger out on the field. Uh, Jay Smith, which had a big-time year defensive back last year, uh, he's he's one that's kind of under the radar, the uh, receiver position. He showed a little bit of what he can do in the spring game. Uh, so excited about Jay and what he can do also in the return game with special teams. And then uh, Terrell Atkinson, the veteran guy, one of our seniors, uh, has played quarterback and, and wide receiver, played a little, little bit of running back as well. I believe the one kid that – kind of uh, has has the chance to make this offense really dangerous is Garrison Beach. Uh, you'll see Garrison lined up at tight end. You'll see him lined up at the slot. We'll line him up outside. He's a physical kid. He'll block. He's got great hands. And then the tight end position, as you all know, if you watch any football Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, the tight ends just get lost. I mean, they're just hard mm-hmm. to cover. All the time. All the time. Florida State, I mean, I love them. That's my <laughs> school, but we, we struggle with the tight ends. And high, high school kids are the same way. So that's what I'm excited about where we have the speed and the threat to take the top off of defenses out on the, on the edge. And then you also have Garrison in there uh, lined up as a tight end. That you, I mean, you can't cover it all. You can't double everybody. If you do decide to double Camden or a Jay, then that gives us one-on-one matchups. It gives us a, a looser box that we can run the ball with Malachi. So there's a lot of weapons on, uh, at the skill position on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but I think the, the one key thing for those guys that is going to make or break our offense this season is if they can be a selfless teammate. Um, everybody wants the ball, and we want that. We want the guys to want the ball. But every game, it, it may not be where you get you know ten touches. You may get three, but what are you going to do with that three? So if our guys can be selfless, be great teammates, be as excited for their teammate if they make a big play as you know if it was themselves. So, and I believe the guys will do it, but I think that's always a challenge anytime you have a lot of playmakers uh, that want the ball. Just make sure that you stay within the game plan. Don't get frustrated if you don't get the ball as much as you think you should. Uh, the ultimate goal is to get across the goal line and win the game. 
So whatever that looks like, we'll get it done. Uh, but there is definitely a lot of talent and a lot of playmakers. Well, TJ and I talked about it last week, and I think that's the good news for the quarterback is whoever that may be, they aren't going to be asked to do what Jacquez did. They just got to get the ball to the playmakers, and, and let's see what happens. I mean, you you just mentioned five guys right there off the top, you know, who are going to be on the field a majority of the time. And so that's not mentioning any young guys who may come right. up or may surprise or, or somebody who maybe played defense last year who switched over. So they're going to have the opportunity just get the ball in the playmakers' hands and let's see what happens. You don't have to be the guy, I guess you should we could say. Yeah, correct. You know, last year, you know, the offense was – so dependent or so Jacquez heavy, which again was a great thing. But this year, that is not the case. All those guys that were around Jacquez last year, they were younger guys. Uh, you know, their number got called, they made some plays. But this year, the roles are kind of flipped where we have the quarterbacks in there that are still learning, still trying to gain that experience. Use those guys around you, make the easy throw because those guys have the capability to take a five-yard reception into a 50-yard touchdown. Mm -hmm. You know, they can make guys miss, they can run past you. And then again, you have Malachi in the backfield where they want to give us an empty box, then we'll just gas you. So again, defenses are going to have to make a decision on how they play us, uh, the, the covers they, they do on the back end. Uh, but yeah, you're right with the quarterbacks, give the playmakers the ball, let them do the work. I think there was a the last three or four weeks of the year that we were actually doing the podcast for football season, every single week we would say, man, Malachi, that was his best game. And it just seemed like every single week we had to come back and to the table and say, well, you know, Malachi had a really great week last week, but, man, this week was even better. None of that matters, Coach, without a great offensive line. Yeah. And we do have to replace some bodies up front. You know, we know the skilled players. We know the the talent that Jack was more and everybody that had last year. None of that's possible without the five guys up front blocking. What have you seen from this offensive line? And, who do you expect to stand out in this group? Well, with the guys returning, I see those guys a lot more confident than they were going in last year. Uh, Jamar Brooks and Braxton Thompson, the big Lego, uh, he, <laughs> last year going into the season, they were not confident. Now, they looked the part and they played well, but they were, you know, a little second, they were second guess themselves. They weren't quite sure. You see a complete turn in their confidence and the way they approach practice, the weight room, they're stronger. They can sink their hips better, their feet are better. So those two guys, a returning starter, is really going to depend on those guys. We've got them to tackle right now. Jamari Brooks is also going to play some guard. And then we have Zy Alexander that started some last year. Uh, we got him starting at center. Uh, so those three have really you know, done a good job so far this, uh, this camp and throughout the summer. And then after that, it's kind of by committee. We have Malik Lewis, who – has been hurt his entire high school career pretty much. He's had a, a couple of knee surgeries. Uh, he's healthy at this point. He's had a great camp. He is one that can really help us on the offensive line this year. Uh, I really you know, hope and pray that he stays healthy just so he can enjoy his senior year. But he's had a good camp. Uh, Blake Wynn is not as big as those other guys, but he's as scrappy and as nasty and, and will get after your behind uh, every play. Uh, Blake's playing some guard. We have uh, Taylor Johns that, that's really developed over the years, come along, he's a junior now. And then we have Kriston Johnson, which is new to the team. Uh, he came over from Mariana, uh, lives out at the Boys Ranch, uh, just a junior, but he's a good-sized kid, uh, good athlete, so we're hoping that he can help us stay on the offensive line. So we have the pieces there. Austin Smith, which is one of our defensive players, he's played some tackle uh, this, this camp. So we have the bodies there. 
it's just a matter of figuring out the best combination and fit it the exact way. But uh, I believe that group's going to end up being a solid, solid offensive line. Well, Coach, I'm going to ask you this on, on both sides. And um, I think in the spring game, probably if I had to guess over the summer, based on the spring game, the person who I would say is a player who could surprise us on the offensive side may be Travis Federick. Or, I'm sorry, Travis McKinney. Who would you say on that side might be somebody who we haven't maybe heard the name before, but this year you're like you look up and go, man, that guy, he's had a really good year. Ooh, I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you Travis or uh, Travion Milton. Travion's gonna be a junior. Uh, he he's kind of a kid that does a little bit of everything. He can be in the backfield. Uh, he can line a receiver, return guy, play some defense. But I think offensively. He gives us some depth. It was some of those guys playing a lot of reps on defense and special teams. I believe Travion could come in and be a very effective uh, kid for us back there. And the other is Brandon Robinson. Uh, we need Brandon to really give us that physical threat inside the tackles, uh, be a bruiser when he carries the ball. Uh, and, again, I think that will complement Malachi really well if he can do that. Uh, so, yeah, those two, Brandon Robinson and Travion Bill. Coach, kind of switching over, I guess, to the defensive side of the ball, that defense last year was just nasty. I mean, three consecutive shutouts against some very high-quality opponents and just some really low-scoring games that the defense – that offense was amazing and it was explosive. But, you know, you could say at a certain point in time that defense just said, hey, it's on us. We got you all today. Just, you know, make, get a couple points for us and we'll take care of the rest. Even scoring some on defense yeah. as well in a playoff game. What have you seen from this group? I know you've talked a little bit about you think this group could be very, very talented. This could be one of the best groups in a while. Just give us your thoughts on the defense as a whole. If this, if this group plays to their highest capability, to their potential, it'll be the best defense that's been around here. Uh, I've compared them to the 2014 defense that was the semifinal team. Uh, so there, there's that type of expectations that we have to go out and do it. But at all levels, they're, they're, they're guys that they like contact. They fly to the ball. Uh, and usually, you're kind of missing one of the levels where you have a defensive line in the secondary, but you're short of linebacker. Or you got secondary and linebackers, but no D-line. Well, when you look at it, we, we've, got, we've got the pieces there at, at each level. Uh, so our expectations are, are to be better than last year, create more turnovers, create better field position, score more. On defense, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm excited about this group. They do have a, a, a little nasty attitude about them when they get on the field. There's good team speed. And again, they, they like contact at each level. So our DBs, they'll come up and hit you. Our linebackers, Andrew Brown, I mean, he's as tough as they come. Defensive line with Antonio McKinney, uh, Austin Smith returning. So if we play to the level we should, this is going to be a great defense. Is it as good as the 99 defense? No, sir. What? Let's not get crazy. <laughs> I, was asked that I was asked that question not long ago. Uh, I would love for that group to be better than 99 because that 99 group ended up being very good, played for state championship. So I would love for more than anything to be that level of defense. Yeah. But I think you really have to you have to be all in for each other. Like there can't be any selfishness, there can't there can't be any loafing. There has to be accountability every time you step on that field. And Andrew Brown, you know that 99 team, we had Devin Allen. Yeah. Everybody respected Devin. Everybody listened to Devin. 
Nobody was going to mess with Devin. <laughs> Devin was a hard hitter. He was going to bring it every day. Andrew Brown has kind of stepped into that role where he's respected. He backs up what he says. Uh, he's physical. He's a playmaker. So, again, the ingredients are there uh, to be the best we've had in a long time. Uh, but it starts tomorrow night. We'll see how we come out tomorrow night playing. Well, we know, and we've talked at length about all these. We, we know about Tony McKinney and Austin Smith on the ends. We know about Andrew Brown in the middle. We know about Jay Smith uh, and Travis McKinney in the defensive backfield. Who are the other guys that you're going to be counting on at those uh, on the defense this year? Yeah, the one to really keep an eye on, and I believe this kid had the best spring, was DJ Coleman at safety. DJ is long and rangy. He'll hit you. He'll come up and make tackles. He's got good ball skills. Uh, so he's one back there uh, that I believe could really be a difference maker. Uh, then you look at uh, next to Andrew Brown, you have Jacob Dyer, a sophomore linebacker that's really had a great camp. He's coming along. He's physical. He's, he's starting to understand the game better. And uh, at quarterback, we have two young quarterbacks, really three. We have P.J. Davis, uh, Mari Rojas, and uh, who's the other? Uh, Quavy, Quavy Owens. So we have some young guys back there uh, that can give some depth, you know, because Jay, Terrell, uh, you know, DJ, those guys will be playing a lot on offense. So we've got to have those quarterbacks step up, play some crucial plays at crucial moments. Uh, but yeah, we got some depth back there, a lot of talent. And uh, get that light to hit. So, well, and I'm glad you mentioned some of those guys because you know, being now this is my third year at the middle school, so that sophomore group were eighth graders when I was there the first year. And so, you know, Jacob Dyer, I, I told, I think I told you back then, man, this yeah. group has a chance. They do. You know, you mentioned Jacob Dyer; he's going to play a lot. Really good sized kid. Even you know, last year as a freshman was a good sized kid. So I can't yeah. imagine. I can only imagine how much bigger he's gotten. Quavy uh, is. His cousin is Denzel Washington, and I've always told people he's Denzel. I'm not saying he's Denzel, yeah. but he has a lot of those same attributes. Very quiet kid, but super athletic kid. Yeah. Um, got some, some miss to him, you know, some shake. So I'm glad to hear a few of those guys, you know, are, are going to have a chance to play some this year for us. Yeah, that sophomore class uh, had a great year last year on, on JV during that season. I tell you, this group has that, – that sophomore group – they have a little bit of what you can't coach. Uh, there, there's not a whole lot of fear in them. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Uh, they line up, they're going to strike you, they're going to get to the ball. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of those sophomores have a chance to start and play significant plays this year. Jadarius Cherry actually is starting at defensive end right now. Uh, so he's come along. Uh, the other big surprise of that class is DeMonte Brown. Uh, he's really had a great offseason. He's athletic, can jump, he can run, he'll hit you. So there's quite a few of that sophomore class, the Wainwrights, all right? I mean, there's a lot of that sophomore class that we're excited about. Coach, we've talked a lot about the defense and, and jumped around at different positions, and we mentioned defensive end, but some of the guys up the middle that could help occupy blocks where you, your defensive ends have one-on-one -on -one opportunities, who's, who's going to be some guys that are going to line up the middle for us? So Zion Alexander is a guy uh, that we're going to depend on. Robert Robinson uh, is really starting to buy into the defensive line. He's kind of like his brother. Uh, he wants to play running back, which we'll, we'll give him an opportunity. But uh, those two, along with Kriston Johnson, uh, they're going to help us out. 
we've also kind of moved Austin Smith at uh, it's a D tackle and he's okay. looking really good down there. So hopefully that that'll help us out. Give Janarius Cherry some reps there at defensive end. Uh, but that D tackle is going to be by committee. Some of those, those uh, offensive linemen are going to play some uh, D tackle. Some double duty. Yep. So uh, and that's usually how it is mm -hmm. in that position. You got your big guys that are going to roll in there. So. Ten four moving coach over to um, special teams. You know we've always been very lucky the last few years to have a really good kicking game, and um, certainly expect that to continue this year. I know Braxton Green is returning. Um, as our place kicker, but we will be replacing our punter in Zach Lopez. So what is that segment looking like for you? Yeah, so Braxton, uh, he looks really strong right now. Uh, I, I believe where he looks the strongest is his punts. I believe he's made the biggest jumps of that. It sounds really good coming off of his <laughs> foot. But I tell him he's the third best punter out there. It goes Braxton third, our athletic director, defensive line coach, Coach Frank Allen is a, a second place, and then Coach Hall is way up there, the ladder at number one. Who would have oh. ever guessed? I'm telling you. Well, so he's he's yeah. the third best right now. That's a good segue because I was going <laughs> to ask this at the end. So you mentioned now Frank has taken over as the AD. So if the defense struggles in the Baker County game yeah. and you fire Frank mid-game, can he then come down to the sideline and say, hey, dog, we've been – been meaning to talk to you. We're going to make a change. Let me get that headset. How's that going to work? You know what? Me and Carl have already had a conversation. We've got all that squared away in that situation. Uh, not really you know, the Baker County game. We'll talk about that one later on. But, uh, no, that, uh, that I'm sure we'll have some jokes throughout the, throughout the games. Coach Frank's going to be busy on game day now. He's got to go out and uh, do the duties that you used to do. Coach Braun did the last few years. So, his game day is going to be a little bit more hectic, so we got to do make sure that we we handle the stuff that Frank usually does for us at the field house. We got to make sure all that stuff yeah. is covered because he does a lot. He does a lot, absolutely, and always has. And and having said that, that's why I think this is certainly a well earned uh, position that he has gained oh, yeah. with the AD because of that time he's put in. But getting back to Braxton, you know, to me he's such a weapon, yes. um, and only a junior, yeah. and so. You know, I know we kind of got off track there talking about him, but is there, I guess, also in the return game, who are we looking at? And, and it looks like Braxton's going to handle both the punting and the kicking duties for us. Yeah, and just real quick more on Braxton. You were talking about a kid that, that works his craft and tries to perfect his craft, but he works it now. It, all summer, uh, he, you know, gets stronger in the weight room, went to a lot of kicking camps. Mm -hmm. uh, just he is, like you said, he's such a weapon in the field position. He can put it in the end zone. He can flip the field with the punts. So, and he's just a junior, so that's that makes it even better. Uh, then in the return game, we'll kick off return. We'll have Fryer back there, uh, Malachi Graham. Uh, then a punt returns. We'll have Jay Smith, and I think Malachi is doing some of that. Camden, uh, Terrell Ickes, it'll be a returner guy. So we got a pretty deep group of returners. Uh, and you saw what Jay did last year. Uh, with the interception. So he gets yeah. the ball in his hands, he, he can take it to the house. And uh, Camden with his speed, uh, Malachi is very elusive and can and make some plays. So that's going to be crucial for us that we make some big plays, score the special teams return game this year because those are game changers, man. I mean, you you block, you you return a kickoff uh, for a touchdown or a punt. I mean, that, that takes the wind out of the other team. 
Yeah, Coach, moving into the schedule, of course, we got Hamilton County in the preseason classic coming up this Friday. Then we go on the road to Dixie County, which was a late addition, which if you listened to our interview last week with Frank Allen, he referenced a little bit about that. But one thing that we talked about last week as well is ever since you've gotten here, I think you've done a very good job of putting a competitive schedule together. And this year is no different, especially coming down that home stretch where you really want to face some quality competition that would remind you of what playoff football is going to potentially look like later down a couple of weeks from there. So just let me get your overall thoughts on how the schedule looks this year and what game you're kind of looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, first off, it's good to have a complete schedule now. For about a month and a half there, we're searching for a week one game. But now everybody's looking for a game. Yeah, everything, everybody's getting canceled. We yeah. can definitely yeah. find one. <laughs> I feel, when, whenever I, I saw you tweet, hey, looking for a week one, week one opponent, I'm like, oh, oh that, yeah. that, that's never good. Old, when Price, you're old Price Harris, I hope we see him in the playoffs. That's right. <laughs> I think Frank said that same thing <laughs> yeah, last yeah, week. I'm sure he did. <laughs> but no, very competitive. Uh, Give them Hamilton County, low type game. They got a lot of speed over there uh, they, and they always want to beat the dogs the dogs always want to beat the trojans so looking forward to that one dixie county very physical team they're going to be well coached disciplined and they'll have about five or six playmakers that that can get the job done santa fe we've had a lot of great games other, over the years with those guys hawthorne's a new addition this year uh, they're a 1a school they played for the state championship last year they lost to baker but they are loaded. I mean, they were, they might be the biggest team up front, offensive line wise, that we see. They got a big time quarterback that transferred over from uh, Fort White. Fort White, yeah. yep. So, looking forward to that one. Uh, Ed White, to me, that's the one. That's the one. That's the first district game. It's on the road. It's a six thirty kickoff. Uh, you know, right there off at of, what two ninety five. Yeah, stadium's right there. Yeah, right there. So, I believe that was the key. We get that game, you know, one nil in the district. We're in, we're in great shape moving forward. Uh, that's the one I got circled. Uh, I mean, they're all important. Don't get me wrong, but that's that's going to be a huge game. Bradford, they're they're going to be much improved. They got a lot of skill guys. Coach Tomlinson does a good job over there. That's at their place. And then we got an open week before we play the Cowboys. And we talked about this, uh, you know, with the guys. We've got to get over that middle block of Madison. Let me play the simple. JV beat them last year, so hopefully we can take that mentality, uh, get the job done. And this group can do it. I mean, trust me, it ain't physical, all right? They don't have better players, nothing like that. It's, we got to get over that middle hump this year. And then we go back to back games with uh, Homecoming, uh, Paxson, and then we go over to Bishop Kitty. If you've never been over there, it's a beautiful setting. It's right there on the water. Uh, looking forward to that one. And then we got week 10. Yes, sir. The Fighting Brocks coming to town, <laughs> Baker County. Uh, so that, that could set up to be a, a huge game, and I, I really hope it does, and I believe it should. And then we finish off with one of the best teams in the state, I believe, this year at Florida High. I, I got a lot of respect for Coach Hick and, uh, and their staff. They're loaded across the board. But that's what you want to see. You want to see great teams like that. So going into the playoffs, uh, you're prepared. Well, and one of the things we talked about before we came on air, Coach, with the schedule is the quality of quarterback play you're going to be facing this year. You know, you mentioned Tyler Jefferson at Hawthorne. Bradford has gotten a transfer from Valdosta, who was ruled ineligible in Georgia due to some, you know, the the stuff with Rush Probst, um, which will be documented on Netflix coming up, I assume. Next week. Yep. And, um, you know, Madison's always going to have uh, an athlete back there who can hurt you. 
Baker County's always got good quarterback play, and then probably looking at Trey Donaldson, a big-time recruit for Florida High. So you're talking about at least five games where you're going to have a really, really good quarterback, not to mention the unknowns at Bishop Kenny or Ed White as yeah. well. So yeah. really going to have to uh, play sound on the defensive side this year. Yeah, for sure. You know, Ed White, they have a big dual-threat quarterback. Bishop Kenny, I was just told uh, a couple of days ago, their quarterback's pretty sporty. But you know what? Just looking at this, I like our defense. Uh, and that's not, you know, bragging, but that's I'm confident in those guys in our secondary, our D-line, linebackers. I like those guys against anybody that we play. Now, again, we got to go out and do it. Uh, and this is what they going into the spring game that I wanted to see coming out. I wanted to see a confident group. Because when you step on the field and you have talent, that's one thing. But when you step out and you are confident and you know you're going to win the game, that's a difference maker. And I think that's been the difference, you know, speaking of Madison, when those guys hit the field, they know it doesn't matter what the situation of the game gets, they got a good chance they can win that game. They, they never panic. So we've got to have that. we got to have that no panic attitude. we got to have the confidence. Uh, we got to go out and believe in ourselves, our teammates. But, yeah, man, I like our I like our defense against anybody that we face. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the challenge. You know, they are good teams, but, but hell, that's that's what you want is to play good teams and see good competition. When we've, you know, we've talked probably more about it than we should. You mentioned the Ed White game, and I think you're right because that is the first district game. So we can point to October 29th and Baker County all we want, yeah. at, but it doesn't matter if Correct. you lose a game to an Ed White or a Bishop Kenny, then it becomes kind of more of a moot point. Correct. And so I guess, you know, I guess in your mind is the biggest game – I guess the biggest game is just the next one. Right. Would, would you consider Ed White to be the biggest yes. game kind of just to set the tone for the season? Correct. Okay. Absolutely. Because, again, you're 1-0 with the district. And now you go into a Paxson. And nothing gets Paxson, but we should beat Paxson. Bishop Kenny, we should go on the road and beat Bishop Kenny. And then that brings a hold to Baker County, which, again, we saw the game last year. That's always going to be a great game. I believe it's turned into a great rivalry. Uh, so, yeah, to me, that's the one. Uh, Jacksonville is a tough place to go and play. You know, last year, Terry Parker, which I believe Ed White's going to resemble Terry Parker uh, very closely. They're going to have guys on defense that can run. They're going to get up in your face. They're going to try to take away the run game and just, you know, man you up. They do have – uh, uh, offensive weapons that you know they they just had, matter of fact they had a running back from Trinity Christian transfer in so they're going to be good again it's, it's an away game it's an earlier game than usual so you're not in that comfort zone of playing at the house or even at the same time so you have to be we have to be mentally tough going into that game but again I'm, I'm confident in our guys that we can do that but we get that one that sets up uh, for a great rest of the season. Coach, you kind of just touched on what I want to ask you next. But both of our district games are away this year, and looking at the Ed White game, it's our first game that is a district game, but it's also a different kickoff time. So friendly confines, we don't have that on our favor. We don't have the regular you know, body clock schedule right. that, that goes into that. Will we'll, your week going into that game look a little different? Like, How do you prepare your team for a change like that? Yeah, I mean, we may adjust the schedule a little bit. Uh, the, the kickoff actually was 6 o'clock. They just moved it about two weeks ago to 6.30. Uh, so it's a little bit closer. But, again, it, it kind of goes back to we played Terry Parker last year. Uh, when we went over there, it was quiet. It was dark. It was The field was kind of a long way from the locker room. It was just there was no atmosphere. So when you step into a place like that, 
you got to create your own atmosphere. Like you got to get you got to get mentally in a place where it doesn't matter what the music's playing, they ain't playing nothing. Whatever whatever time we're playing, it could be two o'clock in the afternoon. You have to mentally get yourself ready to play because physically it's still football. But I think mentally we have to be we got to do a great job that day and that week just getting ready to go over there uh, and play a quality team. But, again, like you said, it's, it's not in the confines of your house. It's a different time. But I just think that plays into the middle toughness that you have to have. Well, Coach, kind of wrapping things up here, you know, you talked a little bit about the mental hurdle of Madison. Um, I guess, you know, we talked about the biggest game. What's the game you're most looking forward to this year? Baker County. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Us too. Easy answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for many reasons, I I love them guys over there. You know, we hug out through the off season. Um, but if you look at last year, you know, if we take care of business against Pine Forest, you know, we were going to see those guys here week round three uh, at the house, which was going to set up for just a tremendous atmosphere. So I kind of look at this as a second chance to go into that week undefeated in the district, both teams. And you know Baker County is going to travel. Yeah. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot riding on that game. And our, our goals, our goals, number one, win the district championship. It's eluded us past recent years, and we went over this with our kids. Special teams has really been one or two plays over the last four or five years that has kept us from a district championship. And it's those small, small details that we've got to make sure that we get done this year. Uh, but, yeah, that one could be huge going for a district championship. And then we want to practice on Thanksgiving morning. That means we're deep in the playoffs. We're farther than we were last year. And there's nothing like practicing on Thanksgiving morning. So that's the goals. Uh, we speak, you know, we talk about championships because that's the expectation. You know, everybody can't do that. Uh, we're in the position to do that. But, again, it starts tomorrow night against Hamilton County. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this journey beginning. Well, you mentioned the the potential playoff matchup last year and that, that atmosphere, and I kind of ran it last year, so I'm going to ask you this because I Uh-oh. actually put on <laughs> – I haven't ran it yet. Well, it's only week second episode. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you and I together have gone to games at Baker County, yeah. and I think I put on Facebook then, if you want to see what a high school atmosphere should look like, come to Baker County because oh. they do it right. So, for you, what would you say – our fans can do to help you guys on the field? Oh, man. Uh, I can tell you, there, there's not a stadium like Paul Langford, like nowhere around. Every team that comes in, they, they, they're they kind of in awe of how cool that stadium is. I mean, the field is great. It looks great. It's great size. Uh, it's just a great atmosphere. But what we need for the fans, we need, to, we need you to get on your feet. We need you to be loud, all right? Especially in clutch situation, we get a third and long. Yes. We got teams backed up. Uh-oh. We get a big momentum-changing play. Like, the kids build off of that. Preach! I mean, they, they get all – they that that momentum, that that rush of adrenaline that you get from the fans on their feet, cheering, being loud, like that – I mean, that makes you play better. I mean, I think back when I was in high school, we played Santa Fe, third round of the playoffs. It was the loudest – high school game I've ever been involved in. I mean, the, it was a packed house. Fans were cheering. The the penny jugs were shaking. That's Mr. right. Mr. Johnny was up there <laughs> leading the cheers. I mean, there there is no better place than Paul Lankford. Uh, and we, we want you guys as fans to to bring it, enjoy the atmosphere, 
set the atmosphere, make it difficult on the, those other guys across the, the sidelines, make it difficult on those guys. When they leave, we wanted to make sure that they don't want to come back because of the tough environment that it was. So pack it out, be there, be there at the, at the dog walk, uh, be excited, be, be loud. Man, I, I love it. The kids love it. The coaches love it. Uh, there's nothing like it with Paul Langford is jumping. Well, I, I agree with you because you said Paul. There's nowhere like Paul Langford when it's done right. Right. And we right. got to figure out how to how to. I don't know. I think we need more situational awareness, like you said. When it's third down, man, we got to get loud. When we get a big play, <laughs> it's okay to, to get stop, up out man. your yes, seat. That's right. Yes. You know what I'm saying. Stand and up. so I don't want to have to be that guy again. So I need to <laughs> listen. I understand Friday night's kickoff classic. I understand we beat Hamilton as many times in a row as Madison beat us. It's football. That's right. But <laughs> we've got to understand the impact we can have on a game in the yes. stands, but it can't be fake. we got to have some genuine yeah. enthusiasm. So we want you there even if you don't have it, but we would rather, man, have that. So Friday night, man, get loud. We – you know, I want somebody to have to tell us to shut up. I'm telling you. That's right. Yeah, one of our core values as, as a team this year is enthusiasm. I've, I've, I've rarely seen anything great accomplished when, it's not, no, with, 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 when enthusiasm is not there. So those whole games and when we travel, travel with us. I'll be there again. It, it means so much to the kids. And this that's what it's about. It's about these kids. It's about showing them support. They go through a lot of practice, a lot of hours, a lot of sacrifice to play a minimum of 10 games throughout the year. And this year, we, we, we lost a whole game, so we have five games at the house. Hopefully that round one, we're at the house in the playoffs, but we need you as fans. Get on your feet, be loud, have a great time, because it can be the difference maker. Well, Coach, you're, you're very gracious with your time, and we certainly appreciate you doing this for back-to-back -back years with us where you just sit down and entertain us and, and all of our shenanigans. But I want to end it on a little bit more of a serious note. Uh, your college coach, Coach Bowden, passed away recently. Just wanted to give you an opportunity just to, to speak on what he meant to you and, and what kind of impact he had on your life, not only as a player, but growing into a man as well. Yeah, man, Coach Bowden was one of a kind. He, uh, he just – they don't make them like Coach Bowden anymore. You know, I don't think they're – you'll be hard-pressed to find somebody nowadays that, that runs a program like Coach Bowden that, that loves and takes care and teaches and preaches to his team like Coach Bowden did. Uh, you know, growing up, that's that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to, be a, I wanted to play for the Swanee Bulldogs and I wanted to play for the Seminoles under Coach Bowden. I was fortunate enough to be able to do both. Uh, but the, less, <clears throat> the lessons that he taught us – uh, they stand strong today. As a husband, as a father, uh, you hear those messages in your head that he would talk to us on Friday nights before the game. You hear all those things very true and, and, and to the point. He was very simple with his messages. When he coached, it was to the point. When he gave his messages, it was to the point. When he talked to us about Jesus, it was to the point. There was no confusion. There was no gray area. It was, it was, it was clear where anybody could understand it, didn't matter where you came from. And that's why so many guys uh, were so hurt, you know, at the loss of Coach Bowden. But also celebrated because we know where, where he's at. Uh, the funeral was great. It was well done. Uh, learned a lot even more about Coach Bowden with some of the stories that were told. But uh, it was such an honor uh, to be able to play for Coach Bowden. That's one day when my kids get older, uh, you know, be able to tell more stories about, you know, when Coach uh, was there with us at FSU. But – 
again, uh, his record speaks for itself. All those saves are great, but the man, the character that he was, uh, that's what really made all these guys love Coach Bowden. And uh, this year, we're we're, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna do this for Coach Bowden. Try to try to uh, get get a championship like he did so many times. But uh, he he was first class in everything that he did. Well, Coach, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Coming out to the doghouse tomorrow night versus Hamilton County, and we certainly appreciate you spending some time with us. Yeah, guys, let's go. It. Let's get it. Let's get it. We appreciate Coach Kyler Hall spending some time with us once again this year. But um, before we wrap up this week, for uh, TJ and I, this is more of a, a personal thing. But for those who don't know, um, TJ's mom, Candy, is a saint walking the earth. <laughs> and for um, for many, many, many years, Candy taught the self-contained classes in the Swanee County School District at the middle school and at the high school. And I was lucky enough to have the opportunity uh, when I became a teacher to teach PE to her self-contained class. And that first day I walked in not knowing what to expect, um, but they were so gracious with me. And that first group that I ever had was the most special group I've, I think I've ever, you know, been associated with at, at Swanee High School. And that, that group included, um, you know, Jesse uh, Wolf and Mariah Wolf and Brianna Bell and, and Luke Whittington and, and LaJonathan and just, man, just the a list awesome, goes on and the on. The list goes on and on. But one of the most special people in that group was a young lady named Beverly Beckner. And Beverly um, had Down syndrome but was just the sweetest girl, you know, you'd ever want to meet. And, and she always – she had nieces and nephews. And she'd always say, Coach, Coach, the babies. <laughs> I'd say, you see, you, see, you see the babies this week? And it didn't matter what question you asked, yep. Bev. Yep. Yep. Anything. Yep. Yep. And so Bev was just, man, she was just a jewel. And she was a sweet girl. And um, unfortunately, Bev passed away this week um, from COVID. And so we just wanted to extend our sympathies to the, the Beckner family for, um, for their loss and, you know, just what a special girl she was, TJ. They don't make them like Bev. Uh, she was definitely a very unique, beautiful soul, just unconditional love. All those kids are, are the same way as Beverly, but just such an unconditional love and I know for sure with you, um, speaking for both of us, we would have a bad day. And this is even me whenever I was a high school student or even whenever I first got here, hired on by the Swanee County School District. My mom still worked here. If you were having a bad day, you could just escape yeah. all of reality, all, all of the negativity that was going on. And you could go down there for even just five minutes and they would just brighten your day and they would make everything okay. Uh, and Bev was definitely a big part of that. She's been a big part of my life. Um, some high school girlfriends of mine would come to the classroom and Bev would give them the evil eye <laughs> because she was like, yeah. hang on now, he's my man, what, what are you doing? You know, re really protective. Uh, like you said, you know, she always would talk about her nieces and nephews. Um, she would, if, if someone was upsetting her, she would just go kids and she would mimic yeah. the, yes. the, the sign yeah, language no, sign for crazy. They're crazy. And so she, she would give you the evil eye, she would give you the bitter beer face. That, yes. that was a Coach Humphrey special, shout out uh, to Coach yes. Humphrey. Uh, but man, she was just a, a beautiful soul, an absolutely just gem of an individual. Well, and she never got in trouble. So on Fridays, no, your never. mom and Terry Johnson and Tammy Turner, that was the crew, they made me do this thing called Judge Hunter. And so during the week, 
the kids, they had a certain amount of money that yep. they were, you know, pretend that $5, money. Dollars. Five dollars. Yeah, that was and their... if they had money taken, if they had enough money taken for yep. bad behavior throughout the week, they could lose free time on Fridays. And I got to decide how much free time they lost. Yep. And so I'd go in and I'd go through the list and it was the same. It was Jamie. It was Brianna. Brianna was, for sure. It was yep. LaJonna. It was all them. Well, Bev never had money taken. Nope. But I'd always at the very end come to her and I'd go, Bev! And she'd throw her hands up like, not me. <laughs> not me every I time. Didn't do it. I I'd didn't say, Bev! You got all your free time, baby. And she <laughs> she thought that was funny. But she was, man. She was a trip and just what a what a great group it was. Yeah, she she certainly was a special individual and will be missed by anyone who ever had the chance to come in contact with her. Um, definitely last, uh, left the impact on me that I will always cherish and, and be thankful for. Absolutely. And so we appreciate you guys joining us this week. And, again, our, our sympathies to the Beckner family. We uh, – we do hope to see everybody out tomorrow night loud at Paul Lankford Stadium. Loud and proud. Loud baby. and proud. 7.30 kick. And so we will see you then. And until then, go dogs. Go dogs.